Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. Did you know that believing in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior is not a request, but a command of God? Do you actively live your life with an others-centered and Christ-centered love? Let's open our Bible now to 1 John chapter 3 and see what this kind of love really looks like. Well, good afternoon and welcome to another teaching. It is Monday, January 25th, a little after one in the afternoon here in Texas. Hopefully everyone is doing well. Um, thank you, Lord Jesus. Today we are going to discuss uh, 3 John, I'm sorry, 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 to 24. We went over these scriptures, and uh, my wife and I meet regularly with a with a with a Bible study group of uh, I was going to say high schoolers, but they're like they're all eighteen years old. So I guess I don't know if they're just out of high school, and they are. Uh, I'm just so blessed with these. You know, there's two uh, two two young men and two young women, Ben and Ian and Peyton and Chloe, and they're just. I'm just so blessed, y'all, with your uh, your desire to know Jesus better and your willingness to hear the the hard things. Uh, I had asked Miss Peyton to uh, to choose the scriptures, and and she chose these scriptures. And these are some these are some difficult scriptures, and you'll see this in a minute. But First uh, John three sixteen to twenty four are just uh, you know they're they're not. Uh, they're not scriptures that, that point to how much Jesus loves us. They're not scriptures that talk about how wonderful we are to God. They're scriptures that are strongly exhorting us in a very serious way in our relationship with Jesus and how we're living for him. And yet uh, uh, Peyton uh, intentionally chose these scriptures and we just had just an incredible time of Bible study. Um, Hopefully y'all are doing routine and consistent Bible study. Everyone who hears this and everyone who doesn't, you ought to be in your Bible every single day. There's not a day goes by you shouldn't be in the Word of God. The more time you spend in the Bible, the better off you'll be. Remember, when you're in the Bible, you're feeding your spirit and your soul. Um, and it's helping you to know Jesus better. So we're going to get into that here in uh, in a minute. On my way over here, I was I was I was over here getting ready to record, and uh, man, I was talking to my brother Chris, and I just want to pass my condolences on to him. His his grandfather just passed away, and uh, I talked to him, and uh, and I'd asked him the most important question: Did he know Jesus? And Chris told me that he did know Jesus. And so if you know Jesus, then, then man, you're at home with Jesus and uh, you're in the presence of God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I love you, Chris. Thank you, Lord. Um, I tell you, on my way over here, I was, I was driving as I was over here to record. 
And I was just thinking about, you know, the podcast, thinking about what I was going to, you know, different things I want to say, thinking about, you know, the scriptures and all this stuff. And all of a sudden I just hear this honking on the horn, this leaning on the horn, this uh, 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 and I'm, I'm looking around like, you know, what did some what did some dude do? And sure enough, the guy behind me is just just leaning on that horn um, because I had just, you know, drifted over into the left lane while I was thinking about the Bible. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, so I, I rolled down my window and, you know, he's got his hands up and I'm, I'm waving my hand out the window and, uh, you know, telling him I'm sorry. And uh, so thank you, Lord Jesus, for for keeping me safe. We got to pay attention, man, when uh, when we're driving. And I certainly have to do a better job, but the mercy of the Lord, you know, just protected me. And so uh, anyway, yeah, it's just uh, just an exhortation that we, we want to uh, to always be alert and uh, paying attention to what we're doing, particularly when we're behind the wheel. And uh, but like I said, the Lord had mercy on me. So uh, my my mistake. Well, I'm going to go ahead and uh, and pray and then I'll read the verses and uh, we will get rolling. Well, Lord Jesus, we just thank you for your favor and your mercy and your goodness on our lives. We thank you for this day and we thank you for your word, Lord. Father, we love you and we praise you and we worship you. And again, we thank you for the word of God, but we thank you more than anything for the son of God, Father, Jesus Christ, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now. Open the word of God to our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. 1 John 3, verses 16 to 24. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. This then is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we obey his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. Those who obey his commands live in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the Spirit he gave us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So we see, you know, if you're following along in your Bible, these are, you know, these are some some heavy scriptures about how we ought to be living our life in Christ. And they're scriptures that that talk about how we can know that Jesus Christ is living in us, that we are Christians. Um, so verse 16 says, this is how we know what love is. Now think about that. The Bible just is, is about to tell us how we know what love is. You want to know the meaning of love? The meaning of love is not infatuation with another person. Oh, I love you so much, baby. You're wonderful. You're incredible. Oh, you're just so amazing. That's not love. 
Okay? That's infatuation. Okay? This is not talking about being in love. This is not talking about just that feeling of when you, you know, if you have your girlfriend or your boyfriend or or whoever it is and you just you just think about them all day long and you just can't wait to see them. That's not love. Oh, I just love you so much. This is how we know what love is. Okay? So before we know what love is, we have to know what love is not. Okay? Love is not a physical attraction to another person. And you know that's not love because when you when you say that to another person, say you're dating someone and you guys are just tremendously in love. When you say to them, I just love you so much, inherent in what you're saying is a desire for them to treat you in a certain way or to quote love you in a certain way. Does that make sense? Is that, you know, you want something right? You want to, to feel loved by them, so to speak. That's not love. Okay. Um, that's this beautiful mechanism. The Lord has given us this biological mechanism that just, that just naturally happens, you know, in us, uh, to make us attracted to another person so that, you know, it helps in, in coming together in marriage when you're attracted to another person, right? It's helpful, but that's not love. Okay. It's a blessing of attraction given to us by the Lord. Um, uh, when the word is used in the Bible, it's called eros or an erotic form of love or attraction. But verse 16 says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. So the Bible just gave you the definition of love. The greatest definition of love forever will be Jesus Christ laid down his life for you, Peyton, for you, Benny, for you, Chloe, and for you, Ian. Jesus Christ laid down his life for you, Chris. That's how you know what love is. Jesus Christ is God. He's perfect. He's holy. He entered the world, Lauren, so he could lay down his life for you willingly, completely sinless, never did anything wrong, loved everyone everywhere, did everything right, never, ever, ever had a wrong thought, never had a wrong word, spoke a wrong word, or never did a wrong action. Jesus Christ, perfect in thought, word, and deed laid down his life for you and laid down his life for me laid it down willingly remember in, in in the book of john the gospel of john he said no nobody takes my life from me i lay it down on my own accord i take it up on my own accord he is god god laid down his life for you now that's love that's the true meaning of love and when he laid down his life for you and me we were not wonderful beautiful, just holy creatures. We were miserable sinners. When Jesus laid down his life for us, we could not have been worse. That's how busted and broken we were and are. And yet Jesus gave his life for us. You know, it'd be one thing as uh, Paul says in Romans, if you, if you lay down your life for some good thing, right? But Jesus didn't lay down his life for a good thing in humanity. 
He laid down his life for a a just miserably sinful, disobedient, wicked humanity. That's you and that's me. That's the meaning of love. When you're willing to lay down your life and give your life to a people that despise you. Think about that. Jesus Christ created the universe. He created humanity. Then he enters the world of his own volition to save humanity from their sins and willingly submits himself to the very people he created who who go forth and kill him, which was all on the plan of God the Father, so as to redeem us. And in that, in the Christian gospel, in the death of Christ, when you have received Christ and trusted in Christ, and I say this, over and over and over when you have asked jesus to come into your heart genuinely and to be the lord of your life and save you from your sin and you're truly relying on him knowing your need of him all of your sin past present and future is given to christ at the cross he takes it at the cross and in exchange the perfect righteous life he lived is given to you amazing that is love Verse 16, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, period. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. You see how that works? You just heard me explain the things Jesus Christ did for you and did for me. And now that ought to be our practice. Laying down our lives and not the people that just treat us so good and so nice because that's not what Jesus laid down as. That's not how we were. As you just heard me say, right? So we ought to be consistently laying down our lives. Now, what does this mean, lay down our lives? It doesn't mean we die. Our death does nothing to, to redeem humanity. To lay down your life is a moment by moment, day by day practice of living an other-centered life, putting other putting others' interests Ahead of your own, as Paul says in Philippians chapter 2. Does that make sense, Jason? That makes sense, Ireland, Esther. And we ought to lay down our lives for one another. We ought to have a moment-by-moment, day-by-day practice. <laughs> and, and and frankly, I, I, I don't believe I do this well. I ask you to forgive me, Lord. But just of, of and when I say I do it, but moment-by-moment, day-by-day just consistently looking to put other people ahead of yourself. You know, I like having my own way. I've said this before. I like doing what I like doing. We want to have a lifestyle of putting other people's interests ahead of our own, laying down our lives, being a blessing blessing to others, even when it's a sacrifice. A sacrifice means it costs us something, whether it's our time, our money, our energy. This ought to be our lifestyle. We could just keep going on verse 16 for the, for the entire podcast, but I'm going to move on. Verse 17. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? It's a very, very heavy verse. Again, First John 3, verse 17. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? What John is saying is you know that Jesus Christ is living in you and that you're properly living in the love of Christ 
when you when you show love to your brothers and sisters in Christ, when you show sacrificial love to your brothers and sisters in Christ. This is a sure way for you to know that Christ is in you and that the love of God is in you. You see what he says? You know, when, when, when you come by a, a brother and sister in Christ, whether they're in your natural family or outside their natural family, and they're in need, you know, they have serious need and, and you have plenty and you have no concern for them whatsoever, you need to go back to the cross. If you have no concern for other people, or I have no concern for other people that are hurting, when we're doing great, we need to we need to go back to the cross because something's not right. You need to ask you need to ask Jesus into your heart all over again. Because John is saying, if you have an abundance or you have enough, and you have brothers and sisters in Christ that that are starving and in desperate need, and, and you just there's no inclination in you to be a blessing, the love of God is not in you. Now listen. By no means am I saying, do you need to enable somebody that's made bad choice after bad choice after bad choice after bad choice, okay? But no matter what, you ought to help them have some food, right? You always ought to do enough so, you know, you can always have pity on them, okay? You can always, you can always help out a little bit. Like I said, uh, this is not a scripture that, that someone can manipulate you um, when they've made many a bad choice. And now they're consistently in a bad position and you're always bailing them out. That's not why that's in here. But you can consistently show love for them. You can consistently help them. You can say, well, I'm not going to give you any money, but I, I will get you some food. Okay. I will put some gas in your car. I will be a blessing to you in this way, this way, this way, this way, this way. Okay. Depending, every situation is different. Okay. Um, and sometimes it is right for you just to help them out with a little bit of cash. Right. But. The point is, you do want to have pity and mercy. And this is an evidence. You know, when, when this is a natural inclination in your heart, this shows when you proclaim to be a Christian and this, this mercy and compassion is, is, is coming out of you, this shows that the love of God is in you. But if you have none of that, John says, how can the love of God be in you? Verse 18, dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. Listen to that verse. That's kind of a famous verse, right? Uh, verse 18. Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. The reason that's, that's very, very heavy, quite obviously, is because it would seem in our culture in the church today, the majority of love comes with words or with tongue. Now, it's important to understand it's a good thing to speak love to someone. It's a good thing to say, I love you to your brothers and sisters in Christ, okay? It's a good thing to give someone a hug and a, and a, and a kiss, right? Uh, you know, those are all beautiful things. I find generally a kiss on the cheek is best. Um, but that ought, that ought to be the, that ought to be a very nominal part of your love. By far, the 90-something percentile of your love ought not be words, but they ought to be with actions. And he says in truth, Dear children, let us, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. 
meaning you you show your love, right? You're not saved by by your love. Anything you do, any love you show, any action you have, any obedience you do, any good work you do, none of that helps save you. None of that helps you go to heaven. You go to heaven completely and totally and only by what Christ has done and trusting in Jesus Christ fully and totally and only for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul. But when you do that, when you've trusted Christ, the Bible says Jesus comes to live inside of you. He comes to live in your heart, in your spirit. You're one with him. You're married to him. You're the bride of Christ. And when the spirit of Jesus Christ lives in you, when the Holy Spirit lives in you, he will be, he will be urging you and, and driving you, if you haven't hardened your heart to him, to show your love not only with your words, but very little in your words, but mostly in actions. And it always has to be in truth. You notice it says in actions and in truth. It has to be sincere. It has to be true. Your love has to be true. It can't be a self-serving love. When we started this, I said, you know, uh, relationship love, boyfriend and girlfriend love, right? Most of it, frankly, um, is done because it wants something in return. You like how you make each other feel. And that's great. But th that's not love. That's not a biblical love. Okay, that's a wonderful thing the Lord gives us. And that's great that you make make each other feel well. Oh, you know, I love you, honey. Oh, I love you so much, too. That's a good thing. I tell my wife I love her. She says, I love you, babe. Great. But, that, that you know, there's not going to be any reward in heaven for all of that. It's a good thing. Okay. Again, it's a good thing to speak love to people. But John is getting down to the nitty gritty, Scott. Okay. John's saying, oh, that's great. All, all y'all telling each other, I love you. I love you, Tom. I love you. Everybody, I love you. I love you. I love you, Esther. I love you. 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 John says, you know what? That's all wonderful. That, that all, it all is what it is. That's fine. It's good. But let there be some actions. Let your love be shown in what you do, Ireland. And it's got to be in truth. It can't be a pretentious love. Right. It can't be a love that you're you're doing something because you want something in return. It needs to be true based on the word of God, an other centered Christ centered love. The way Jesus loved you in verse 16, he laid down his life for you when you were just a miserable, disgusting, sinful, worthless individual. As am I, as was I before I receive Christ. Now, now hear me when I say this, you meant so much to him. He loved you so much that he gave his life for you. But let us, let us not, let us not forget. Let us not think we were some amazing people. Okay. Yes. Jesus loved you so much that it meant so much that he wanted to redeem you and save you and bring you into relationship with the heavenly father that he gave his life for you. But you weren't great. You, you, were, you, you and I were quite bad when he did that. So we always want to balance the two sides of knowing that Christ loves us unconditionally, but we weren't lovable creatures, right? We were quite sinful creatures. But you want your love to be toward others the way Christ was to you. The way Jesus was. John says, don't love with words and tongue. Let that, let, let that not be the focus of your love. 
but in actions and in truth. And as I said before, uh, it's a good thing to tell people you love them. Okay, keep doing that, but let's do the actions even more. Okay, verse 19. Gonna get heavy here now. This then is how we know that we belong to the truth. This then is how we know that we belong to the truth. This then is how you know that you're saved. This then is how you know that Jesus is living in you. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And this is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. So, you know, sometimes our hearts condemn us, right? That um, We were talking in the Bible study and, uh, you know, the guys were saying, you know, just sometimes I feel like just such an awful person and the, the Holy Spirit is convicting them, right? It's important to understand the Holy Spirit will never bring shame or guilt, okay? The Holy Spirit doesn't bring shame or guilt, but he will convict you, okay? And, you know, you know, and they were saying that, you know, sometimes, man, are, you know, they just... I just see so much in myself. They could just see the the way or certain actions in their life or the way they were living were selfish and they would be convicted. But John is saying, um, you know, you can be at rest. If you have a lifestyle of living in the love of Christ, that you are, that you have called on Christ, that Jesus is your savior, that the name of Jesus is on your tongue, and that you do labor to live a Christ-centered and other-centered life, that even if your heart condemns you, right, even when you're, you're convicted, you know, you can, you can be at ease because you know that you have a lifestyle of extending Christ-centered love to others. Does that make sense? And, the, and, and, and even, you know, when you think, golly, I'm such a, an awful person. Can I really be saved? Can I really be going to heaven? Well, if you've trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, yes, you are saved. But when we do wrong things, the Holy Spirit does convict us. And sometimes, you know, if we haven't repented over our sin, it can, the conviction can be hard and we can fear, man, am I really a Christian? Am I really going to heaven? Um, do I really know Jesus? And, uh, and you can be at rest if the evidence of Jesus Christ living in you is there. The evidence that you're living again, not perfectly by any means, but you do have a, a somewhat consistent desire to be a blessing to other people, to encourage other people, and to, and to bless people, um, you know, in every way, right? Spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially, and relationally. Melanie, if you if you if you really have a heart to see other people blessed that way, Chloe, then you know you, you know you could set your heart at rest. Even even sometimes you know our hearts can condemn us, um, and 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 sometimes it can be from conviction, but sometimes it can be from other things. Sometimes it can be from an overactive conscience. Your heart can condemn you. Sometimes there are spiritual forces, the devil and the demons can consistently wear on you and put thoughts in your mind condemning you. But you can be at rest if you have this lifestyle and are living this lifestyle of Christ-centered love for others. You see that? In verse 20 says, For God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. 
You know, even if even if you're being beat down, even if you're feeling like, man, I just I'm not living as Jesus would have me to live. You want to repent and you know that your heavenly father knows everything. He knows everything you would do, everything that you will do. And, you know, he 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 knows where you are. He knows what you're going through. And he knows that you've called on Jesus. He knows that you've received Jesus as your savior, even if you doubt it. And nothing can get past him. Okay. But the point of this is John wants you to have, you know, assurance that you personally can look inside your own life. Now, like I said, if you don't love anybody at all, you have no care for another person. You're never willing to spend your time or your talents or your money on other people. And yet you walk around saying you're a Christian, then, then you need to get back to the foot of the cross. You need to go back and say, Jesus, I, I need you to come into my heart because I don't know if you're living in my heart. I'm saying if you are a totally and utterly and completely self-centered and selfish person, and there's literally no evidence that Jesus Christ is living in your heart, then you want to go back to the cross and ask him to come into your heart and be the Lord of your life. The purpose of this is that you would be at peace knowing that you have a lifestyle of being Christ-centered and other-centered, right? It's a very, very, they're, they're hard scriptures, right? Verse 21, dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God, 22, and receive from him anything we ask because we obey his commands and do what pleases him. So look how John transitions now from talking about you know, the one that's living in this Christ-centered love. He says, if you have now just this lifestyle and you know what, you know that you're living in this Christ-centered love. You know Christ is living in your heart. You're really working to obey Jesus in every aspect of your life. You're, you're quick to repent where you haven't obeyed him. He says in verse 21, dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And receive from him anything we ask because we obey his commands and do what pleases him. Now, this is, this is a powerful scripture. Because this is clearly saying that the more you have a Christ-centered and other-centered life, the more you obey Jesus, the Son of God, and the Bible, the Word of God, the more you obey his commands and do what pleases Jesus, the more your prayers are going to be answered. Now, it's important to understand your prayers, it says, and we'll receive from him anything we ask. Your prayers aren't answered because you've earned, so to speak, the answer to your prayer. Everything, everything we do or can say is by the grace and mercy of our God. But basically what John is saying here is the more you do what pleases Jesus, the more you have a lifestyle of, of doing what's pleasing to Jesus and obeying the word of God. And as I say, when you, when you make a mistake, you repent. Um, the more your prayers will be in line with the will of God. Someone who's walking closely with Jesus, their prayers are more aligned with Jesus because their relationship with Jesus is more intimate. Someone who is saved, someone who has received Jesus as their savior, but is really not trying to obey him or walk in relationship with him, 
you know, they have a relationship with, with, with Jesus. God is their father, but they're not really experiencing relationship. Their relationship is hindered by, by whatever sin is in our lives or whatever worldliness is in our lives or whatever all our other interests are. They keep us from experiencing vibrant relationship with Jesus. And when we don't have vibrant relationship with Jesus, our prayers are, are, are often not the will of God and the heart of God. But this says you'll receive what you ask for him from him because basically the depth of your relationship with him has you praying prayers that are in line with the will of God. So when you're praying to God, when you're praying to Jesus, when you're praying to your heavenly father or the Holy Spirit, you're asking for the very things they want you to ask. You're asking for the things that the Trinity desires, right? How awesome is that? Um, and so the consequence of you obeying Jesus and doing what pleases him is your prayer life gets more in line with, with what the Lord wants for your life and the life, the lives of others. Make sense? All right. Verse 23, we're going to finish up here. And this is his command to believe in the name of his son. Okay. So now he's going to go back and say, Here's the primary command. If you haven't done this, nothing else matters. And this is his command to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he has commanded us. So you see, he's circling back now. Okay. He's going to say the first now, now, now let it be noted. Belief in Jesus Christ is not optional Peyton. Okay, it's not optional, May. Lens, it's not just something that, that's an option. Do you understand? It's a command. It's not a request. It's a command, Gwenda. And this is his command to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. See, in the church today, we, we make, we've made believing in Jesus Christ an option. Believing in the Bible, an option. None of these are options. We, we as Christians, we are not, uh, we're not permitted what to believe. We are told and commanded what to believe. And we're told and commanded what to do. That's why we have this big, thick manual called the Bible. The Bible commands us what to believe. It's our job to say, yes, Father, we believe it because it's in the Bible. We talked about this at, at, uh, at Bible study. I asked them all, why do you believe in Jesus Christ? And they all gave various experiences of all the wonderful things Jesus had said. No, that's not why you believe in Jesus. You believe in Jesus because it says it in your Bible, Ian. Why do you believe it's Jesus died on the cross? You believe it because it says it in your Bible. Why do you believe Jesus was raised from the dead? You believe it because it says it in your Bible, Jose. Why do you believe God loves you, Kristen? Because it says it in your Bible. That's why you believe it. You believe it because the Bible commanded you to believe it. That's the foundational reason. Now, after that, all the incredible experiences we have in Christ are wonderful. But the primary reason you believe in Jesus Christ and all that he did and his resurrection is because God has given his word in the scriptures. And it's a command. 
Verse 23, and this is his command to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. Not a request. God is telling the entire world right now. God the Father has just told every one of the 8 billion people. Isn't that right? 8 billion people in the world. If all of y'all are listening right now, okay? Every one of you, 8 billion people, the command of God the Father in heaven, the creator of everything, is to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. Okay? And receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I wish everyone could just believe all of that right now so Jesus could come and, you know, this, this whole thing could get rolling, right? Come, Lord Jesus. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. I mean, how many times is he going to tell us to love one another and how we need to love one another in a selfless and Christ-centered way? Last verse, verse 24. Those who obey his commands live in him and he in them. Verse 24, those who obey his commands, the commands of Jesus, those who obey the word of God, those who do what the Bible says, live in Christ and Christ lives in them. One of the ways that you can know that Jesus Christ is living in you is you want to obey the word of God. If you claim to be a Christian today and you say, I'm a Christian, and you have no desire at all to obey the word of God, you may not be a Christian. You may think you are. There ought to be some desire in you to obey the word of God. So if you have no desire to obey the Bible at all, you need to go back to the cross. If you can look into your heart and say, yeah, I don't care about that Bible. You need to go back to the cross, throw yourself at the mercy of the cross and say, Lord Jesus, I confess I'm a sinful person. I ask you to come into my heart, to be the Lord of my life, to save me from my sin, to bring me to heaven when I, when I die. Jesus, I place all my faith and trust and confidence in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. When you have a desire to, to obey the word of God and you've received Jesus Christ as your, as your savior, you're a Christian, you're, you're an outspoken Christian, you name the name Jesus, and you have a heart to obey the word of God, you know that you're living in Christ and Christ is living in you. And there's nothing better than that. None better than that. Now, not only that, but the more those who obey his commands live in him, the more you obey the word of God, the more you'll have life in Christ and, and, uh, and Christ will have life in you, will give life to you. Those who obey his commands live in him. They'll have life in Christ and he in them. This won't be it. The more you obey the word of God, the more you will, the more you will experience relationship with Jesus. It's one thing. Yes, you can be saved and, and God, the father is your heavenly father, but don't you want to experience relationship with Jesus? Golly, Lord, I need to obey you more because those who obey his commands, verse 24, live in him and he in them. One of the major benefits, immense benefits of obeying the word of God and repenting where we fall short is experiencing deeper and greater intimacy and in life with Jesus. Remember in John 10, 10, the gospel of John, it said, what did he say, Susan? Jesus said, I've come that you have life and have it abundantly. 
Many of us of Christians may have some may have life, but they, we wouldn't call it abundant life. We're not just popping for Jesus, right? Pow, pow, pow. We're you know just abundant life. This just 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 so excited about Jesus, right? That's really how it ought to be. Those who obey his commands live in him and he in them. Now remember, you don't get saved by anything you've done. Obedience doesn't save you. But when you get saved and Jesus Christ comes to live in you, you have a desire for obedience. And the more you do obey, the more you will experience the life of Christ. But again, it doesn't do anything to help save you. That's based on Christ alone. Those who obey his commands live in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. You know that Jesus Christ lives in you because his spirit, the Holy Spirit actually lives inside of you, is one with you. He convicts you when you do wrong things. He gives you desires and points the way for you to love other people. He urges you to be forgiving in everything, Kayla, right? He wants you to be living for Jesus, loving for Jesus, giving for Jesus, and forgiving for Jesus, Carissa, right? You do those four things, you, you experience the Holy Spirit of God. You know the Spirit of God is living in you. If consistently you can experience the life of the Spirit of God living in you, because he always wants you to be living for Jesus, loving for Jesus, giving for Jesus, and forgiving for Jesus. Right, Jordan? Heavy verses, Peyton. Golly. Um, we did those in uh we did those in Bible study on uh, on on, uh, on Saturday. It was an incredible Bible study, and uh, like I said, I was I was very proud of these. You're pretty young when you're 18 years old. Um, you know, 18 is is pretty young. I'm 51 years old today, as a matter of fact. So, um, anyway, good job, guys. Let's uh, let's just live in these verses. Lord Jesus, we love you. We bless you, we thank you, and we praise you. We thank you, Lord, for your mercy and goodness on our lives. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that we know what love is and that you laid down your life for us when we were not worthy of anything, Lord. And Lord, we ask you to help us to have that same lifestyle toward our brothers and sisters in Christ and all those everywhere, Lord. Help us to use our material possessions and our money, Lord, to be a blessing to other people who are more needy than us, Lord, and to have pity on them. And I, Lord, I pray, Father, that the love of God would just blossom in our hearts to do these things more and more and more and more, not just in words, but in actions, and, and let it be true and sincere and not pretentious. Father, I do ask you to set our hearts at peace. You know, if our hearts convict us or condemn us, Lord, I pray there'd be no guilt or shame, Lord, but that we would be convicted, Lord, and but we would know that you know everything, Lord, that you know that you're our Father and that we've received Jesus Christ, our Lord. Father, I pray, Lord, that when our hearts, you know, are not convicting us or condemning us because we are walking in a Christ-centered and other-centered life, Lord, 
that we do have tremendous confidence, Lord, that we're, we're praying in line with you, with your desires and with your will, Lord. And we will, our prayers will be answered, Lord. The more we obey you, Lord, not because of anything we've done, Father, but because by your grace and mercy, we're praying in line with your ways and your will and your desires. Father, we, you have commanded us to believe in Jesus Christ. And I pray that every single person in the whole world this day would be convicted by you, Holy Spirit. They would believe in Jesus Christ. They'd receive him as their savior. And Lord Jesus, I pray that you would come. Come, Lord Jesus. Lord, we thank you for the life that we have in you and you in us. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you live in us and you're our guide and you're our comforter. Father, we love you. We bless you and we thank you. We commit this time into your hands in Jesus name. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. For more information about our ministry, please visit www.kingdomd.org. If you'd like to email us directly, you can reach us at contact at kingdomd.org.